Here we go once again. It's Monday night, and you know it's time for Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Great show on tap for you once again. But unfortunately for me, Ira not in studio. Ira, you've been having a, a great little summer. What, what have you been up? Where are you, and what have you been up to? Well, I was in New York. I was in the Hamptons this weekend, and uh, I went to a lot of parties. You know, people talk about what they go, and I'll tell you what I was wearing. Uh, this is my sports. Uh, first of all, you see a lot of some sports people when you will go in the Hamptons, and that's where they're at this time of year, uh, except for the football players and the baseball players. you got basketball and hockey. But the one thing is I wore my Miami Heat hat out to some events and some of the parties and everything. I'll tell you what, Miami, the, the Heat, people come up to me. It's like, I love the Heat. I love the Heat. I think that this past year has been more a uh, uh, shot in the arm to the Heat than even LeBron and Wade. Uh, the, the talk about Butler, the talk about just the team and the Lillard, uh, people are coming up to me just with the hat. You know, not to Miami Heat, it's one of those small Miami Heat hats. And uh, it just, I just sense this enthusiasm for the Heat everywhere. People not even from Florida, people from Florida that come up to me and talk about that. It's, uh, I, 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 I'm getting a feeling that this next coming year, if they get Lillard, if they don't get Lillard, is a big year because it just seems like this team is just that, you know, between Messi and Inter-Miami and the Heat. And we'll see if the Dolphins can ride this wave with the Florida Panthers of South Florida sports just becoming this dominant power. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about baseball later. And the Marlins pulled off something remarkable yesterday. They look like they could be postseason bound. So, yeah, I mean, there's really never been a better time to be a South Florida sports fan than now. It's time for the Dolphins to live up to their end of the bargain. As a lot of people picking them to win that division. I don't know if I'll go that far just yet, but it seems like a popular pick among crowds. Of course, you can follow Ira anywhere on social media at Ira on Sports. And, Ira, if you want to uh, win your fantasy league, you should probably be here around 740 because our resident fantasy guru, Dr. Roto, is stopping by. I love Dr. Roto. And if you said, I don't play fantasy, I don't want to listen to him, the insights he gives on the teams, on the coordinator changes, on those things, it's not just fantasy. I mean, even if you don't play fantasy, it's important to learn about the players, the superstars that are going to come on, surprises that people are going to talk about, the rookies that are going to shine, and the players that, that were great, that people think are great, that probably aren't going to be just a name only. You know, they're great in name only. We'll see what happens. But I, he's gone, been on our show, I think, four or five times. Phenomenal picks. If you had fantasy, he gives us some. He'll give us some sleepers. I love having Dr. Roto on. He's one of the top fantasy experts in the country. Yep, Dr. Roto joins us right around 7:40 here on Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and Ira, the first domino in the running back uh, carousel fell. I didn't think it was going to be Zeke Elliott, but where he's going to New England, which seems like even weirder of a destination. <laughs> well, I think it, you know, it's great. You know, as Elliott has been this. For seven years with the Cowboys, I mean, uh, three years ago, he had 1,400 yards, 77 catches. He's had years of 1,500, 1,400, uh, 1,400. He signed a – he's one of the reasons why no one is signing the running backs for big money because he signed in 2019 guaranteed and proceeded to just fall off a cliff in terms of being this elite running back. Last two years, 979 yards. 1,000 1, yards and 876 yards, really three poor years. And he signs with the Patriots for $3 million, just $3 million just, but with the $6 million with incentives. But the Patriots have had trouble with his, this, you know, with the Stevenson at running back. I think he's going to play a, a big role with his team. And, and I think it was a good signing. Uh, they, they passed on Dalvin Cook. Uh, in terms of pick, signing him as, as a running back, and I think this is a, a I think it's an excellent move for the Patriots uh, because they really at some of these, you know, it's like you know, running back by committee. He'll be 
I would say he's the chairman of the committee, but he's definitely going to be on the board of directors of the committee uh, for the Patriots. I'm with you on this being a great signing, partly because that team has not developed skill position players at all. Their best seasons, I mean, they've had a lot of great seasons, but their best seasons are when they brought in Randy Moss. Because, hey, listen, we can't draft a receiver to save our life. Let's make a big free agent splash. So it makes sense to me, Ira, and a lot of people are you know, saying Ramondre Stevenson is going to be this, this fantastic back this year. A lot of fantasy gurus are moving him way up the charts. I, I don't see it. I, I don't know if it's just me. Like I've never bought into Patriots running backs in general, but his ability around the goal line, he's still good, and I still think there's a lot of juice. Not a lot of juice as an every down back. There's juice in him scoring some points in clutch situations for you. And I also like the pass receiving. I said, talked to a few years ago, 77 catches in terms of how the Patriots are going to, Mac Jones needs a, a safety valve on third down to throw to someone who can. And now the Cowboys like Tony Pollard instead. I, I, I question the move. I mean, if I was the Cowboys, I would have brought Elliott back I, with Pollard's injury. But they chose to move on. And uh, supposedly they helped. You know, I guess I, Stephen Jones did talk to Belichick and said, boy, Elliott looks great and was complimentary. And Jerry Jones has said all the right things about it. I don't think it was, it was a nasty departure. I mean, he certainly wanted to go back to the Cowboys. But he's going to be wearing number 15, which he wore for the Ohio State Buckeyes, not number 21 for the Cowboys. And I think it'll be great. I think it's exciting. I think the Patriots, as you said, the Patriots needed some of the star power at wide, you know, in terms of running backs, wide receivers. And I think this helps. And, and I think, yeah, I think he could make a big difference on this team. Yeah, they're definitely bottom third in the league when it comes to, to skill players. The receiving core is pedestrian at best. Just Ramondre Stevenson, that's not going to get it done for me. So good to get a guy like that in contract and for $3 million, like you said, you know, up to $6 million. Where do you think this puts the Dolphins now? I mean, they were supposedly in the sweepstakes for a running back. We don't know if it was going to be Zeke Elliott. I think that Dalvin Cook's asking price is around 10 But, you know, if you're the, if you're the GM of the Dolphins— you can go to him and say, Zeke just got three. I'm not giving you $10 million. I'll give you five, maybe. Do you think this is going to help the Dolphins uh, case at all? It will help them, but I think it helps. I think that they're happy with our chain, the rookie running back. So I think that, that there's a point where they might, they I think, prefer him. I think people are talking about him being this, uh, the star, you know, in, in making in terms of what he possibly could do. So I really think that, you know, with the um, with the depth they have at running back, I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to not think that Cook is going to come there. You know, they were like 28th in the league in, in rushing last year. The rushing attempts, they just didn't trust them. So I do like A-Chain from, from that standpoint that it's someone that Mike McDaniel drafted. Like, this is going to be my guy as opposed to free agents and stuff that he brought in. We'll see what happens uh, with the couple well, of running backs. Did, I mean, yeah, yeah. With Mostard and, you know, in terms of what they had Wilson. Jeff Wilson, yeah. Yeah, so they had the same running backs the 49ers had, and it seemed like, you know, with injuries, it just seems like you can never have too many running backs, but the key is not to pay any one of them too much money. Like, you want to have a lot of running backs, but just don't pay anyone so much money. So, I right, I think Cook's contract is, I think is, I think he's asking for too much money, and I think that they're not going to, I don't, I'd be surprised if Cook goes to the Dolphins uh, because I think that I think our chain is playing really good, so they probably like him. Then going back to the Cowboys, there was a standoff between their star guard Zach Martin and Jerry Jones, but I think we've uh, come to an agreement. You know, it's one of these deals where you have Martin with the Cowboys, and everyone keeps talking Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. I mean, if you turn, I cannot believe. I mean, you would think that Dak Prescott is the only quarterback. Like he's that. What's that? What's that quarterback? They go. They play in, in football where the same quarterback plays for both. Automatic teams or quarterback whatever. or official quarterback? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, if you just came out of the outer space and then turned on TV, it's like, is that Prescott the quarterback for every single team in the league? Because that's, you know, there's other quarterbacks. There's 
32 teams, but it seems like he's the only one they talk about, whether it's his contract or whether it's this, or does he throw too many receptions or this or that. But really, one of the most important positions is their guard, Zach Martin. They're all pro guard, one of the best guards in the league. And I think there was no doubt. I mean, he was holding out. It was, I think it was owed like four, two years at $14 million apiece. They brought him in for two years at $18 million. So he's there. But I, 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 no one thought that Zach Martin was not going to be in camp. But he's necessary in order for the Cowboys to do what they want to do uh, with Brandon Crooks. Cooks at the uh, at wide receiver. Uh, you know, they have there with C.D. Lamb. I mean, their the wide receiving core is upgraded, but they really need that offensive line. That's the key. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I, I honestly think Dak Prescott is what Dak Prescott is. And I I'm going to say this: people do not go back at last year. They're like, oh, he lost to the 49ers. It was terrible. Remember, I was at the game when he killed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They then had, they played that on Monday night and then had to go on Saturday, or was it Sunday? You know, they was a very short week to go to play San Francisco. So I feel like that was, that was a chance for them to win. I just think they got a bad draw to be in Tampa for the first game and then going on the road where they might have upset there. And who knows? Cowboys have made the Super Bowl. So I, I just, look, I, I like Dak Prescott. I think he's going to be the quarterback for the Cowboys. Who are they going to get? Who, they're not going to finish with a bad record to get uh, Caleb Williams or anything like that. So I, he's their quarterback, and, that, and he is what he is, and they just have to build around him, and, and he, he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. So that's my opinion of Dak Prescott. Well, Ira, speak of the devil. We have some breaking news here on Ira on Sports. Dalvin Cook just got signed. Take a guess where. Uh, give me a second. Let me, I'm, I I, you know what? I knew you were going to ask me a question like that. That's a toughie. He's a New York Jet. Okay. Yeah, All right. Dalvin That's Cook just nice. got signed. No, no details yet about the pay payments, but uh, wow, uh, that's uh, interesting. We were just talking about a pretty timely conversation. So yeah, not coming to Miami apparently. Uh, but I good think, for him. I think. Oh my God! One year, right. eight point six million. Wow. So you're right about the ten. I. You know what I think this is about? This is about Brees Hall. I don't think Brees Hall is healthy enough to play. They have Michael Carter, and they're like, they're win now, and I think that was the point. Brees Hall is from Iowa State, their star running back who played with Brock Purdy there, and he had, you know, started out last year great, tore his ACL, and I just think he's not healthy enough, at, and they think they're, and this gives them the ability to rest him that first, like, month or five weeks of the season, not bring him back, use Cook, use Carter. I think that's, you know, that, it, it, I think, of course, that that, that probably makes, he was, well, I did, I was about to say the Jets, but he was here in New York and then did sign, and I wasn't sure if they were going to use the money for something else, but it, it, that's probably, in they, the Jets have told everybody that Brees Hall is healthy, but I think it really is a sign that he probably isn't healthy, and it gives them maybe till October, it gives, lets them rest September and bring him back slowly rather than not taking on a big workload. And, and the Jets are win-now mode, so with Aaron Rodgers, so it makes sense. To me, it also makes sense from a point of view like – Dalvin's still pretty good. I mean, we saw Zeke, you know, he's bottom, you know, bottom 5% of the league in yards per carry. Dalvin's still effective when he's on the field. So another weapon for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. It, I still think that team hinges all on the offensive line, and I don't think it's very good. But it's more weapons. He can catch passes out of the backfield well. Uh, good for the New York Jets there. I, well, people, yeah, people, people remember Dalvin Cook from Florida State. He's had a great career. Anyone who follows in fantasy, he's been banged up. He's only 28 years old. But he great outside out of the backfield, good running back, and uh, supposedly you know he's ready to go, and this could be exciting a different change. I think he was surprised that Minnesota decided to release him and put Madison back at running back, and uh, we'll ask Dr. Roto about that about that opinion about Madison and Cook. But 
The Jets, they do everything. They're totally win now. I think Garrett Wilson is going to have this humongous year for the Jets at wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I like the fact there was out of camp, just to jump for the Jets for a second, you read the papers. uh, uh, Rodgers was critical of the team. There was some, like, you know, even Conor McGovern, the center, said after one of their games, like, we're a little sloppy. We had a bad practice. We had this and that. I like that. I mean, that's good. I mean, that's what Brady, remember, when Brady went to the Buccaneers, it wasn't like, oh, we're so great. He was harsh on the team. We have to play elevated. I think that's fine that they're critical and they because I think that's the Jets mentality now saying we want to be the best football team in the league in order to do that we have to be critical of ourselves you know we talk about the United States women's soccer team you know when they were criticized you know they just say well we don't want to take any criticism well you gotta you gotta be internally criticizing yourself if you want to get better so Ira on sports true oldies channel I'm Mike Balsamo it's 717 Dr. Roto joins us talking all things fantasy at 740 so I watch preseason if there's no big baseball game on, I throw it on. I'm not really paying super attention. But there was one game I was really excited for, Ira, and it was the 49ers versus, versus uh, LA uh, Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. I wanted to see what Trey Lance looked like because we really have no idea what to expect from Trey Lance at this point. Is he, is he going to be the starter, second string, third string? We don't know. It didn't look good. The numbers are a little deceiving, Ira, but he was sacked four times, and he looked like kind of just – out of place. He didn't look like he, he was an NFL speed player. I think the Trey Lance, I mean, it is amazing for San Francisco. They, this could be one of the worst trades in NFL football history. They traded up in the draft, gave up number one picks, everything to get him. And uh, they could have just picked Justin Fields. Justin Fields was available, and they passed on Justin Fields uh, and Mac Jones also in order to trade up to get Trey Lance. And their team is loaded. They are phenomenal at every single position. They made uh, uh, John Lynch, their general manager, has made every right call. Kyle Shanahan, the, the coach, everything's been done on that team perfectly, except for this. But then they get lucky because with the last play in the draft, they get Brock Purdy, which works out perfect. He's going to be their quarterback. So that's crazy that they have totally whiffed on this. I think what they were hoping is that they want to show Lance in the preseason that they can trade him. But if he's poor in the preseason, they're not going to get anything for him now. So that's really what they're really doing is just showing him out. But he has just not developed. You heard everything the last couple of years is that he's been inaccurate. He doesn't throw the ball well. You know, he came from a very, very small school and, uh, and had, did not have a lot of experience in, in college at all and with the COVID year and everything. And now you're left with North Dakota State. He, he really only played. It's just, it's just unfortunate for him in terms of the situation. You would think that you would thought that maybe he would have gone back to school and play, had more experience in college. But he's 23 years old now, hasn't really done much in the pros, and he's looked bad in that first preseason game. You want to talk about some of the other young quarterbacks? Because for the most part, didn't look great in their first first preseason appearance. I thought C.J. Stroud for Houston. I mean, that's the question. Is, yeah, Anthony Richardson looks fair for the Colts, uh, the quarterback from Florida. Whether they're going to start him when the year begins, getting Jonathan Taylor back for the Colts really helps to have him because Richardson, you could see, you could actually see the Colts just put Richardson and Taylor and just run the ball like a zone read option, just run up and down and control it, not have Minshew in there. I could see... Honestly, you could see with the Colts using Minshew and uh, Richardson as sort of like when they were using Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco for the Ravens, where they would both be on the field at the same time at some situations, uh, which would be dangerous. But uh, C.J. Stroud, fair in terms of Houston, but it's just they have, their offensive line is poor. And the question is, do you want to start him? Uh, and you have Davis Mills already there. I think if you don't want someone getting sacked a zillion times, but you want the experience. I mean, you know, someone mentioned that Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions as a rookie. So that would be one thing. Surprising. I'll tell you what, Stetson Bennett, who I has just been, you know, walk on at Georgia and won two national championships, just surprises. 
he looked great in that first game for the Rams. And I'm not Matthew Stafford, of course, is their quarterback. But I would not sleep on Stetson Bennett because I think Matthew Stafford is nearing the end with his injuries and everything like that. But, again, it would be amazing if Stetson Bennett could step in. And, I mean, talk about what quarterback has played in more big-time football games against more big-time defenses in the past uh, two, three years than Stetson Bennett. And he's the, and, and he's drafted, you know, fell away third or fourth round. But, uh, but he looked good in that first game. Ira, this afternoon – I'd say football fans were blindsided, for lack of a better word, pun totally intended. What's going on with Michael Orr? Because I'm confused. I don't know about this lawsuit, but I'll tell you what, it's one of the best football movies of all time. Michael Orr, who was, uh, went to and ended up being a, an all-pro for the Baltimore Ravens, with the University of Mississippi, was a SEC first-team All-American. Um, the story, everybody has seen it, won Academy Awards uh, in terms of Senator Bullock, in terms of uh, the actress, and it's just—it was a great movie. It's one of the best film movies of all time. It was out in 2009, and Michael Ward now has filed a lawsuit saying the story is incorrect. There was a, there's problems with it, and he wanted money from it, and he was promised he was going to get money. And then it seemed like this fairy tale between the uh, Tui family, which uh, and and Michael, which seemed like it was you know this great with this great relationship and everything uh is now fractured and i hate to see it i do you want to think that this was great but we'll see how this plays out and what the response is but you never wanted to see you would hope that they would have settled this and come to some agreement on something we'll get some more facts but boy you know it was one of those things where espn said i was like their lead you know like a big story like breaking news that michael orr sues the Tui family um and i think it was the, the the residents of the movie. It's such a tremendous football movie. I loved it so much, and you just you just don't want it to have a bad ending. Like you want it to be, you want them to get along. So I feel bad for. We'll see how it breaks out. I said we don't have the facts, hardly any of the facts yet, but we'll see what happens. You like um, Blindside better than Little Giants? Crazy. Yes, I do. <laughs> I just saw it. You know, it's funny. This boss uh, broke it. I just. I don't know where I was. Like two weeks ago, I watched Blind. It's like one of those movies you just—it's on. You watch like Godfather, Blindside. Like there's some movies that I'll just watch because I just like it so much. And uh, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze is the coach of Auburn right now. Was actually the coach. If you forget, he was the coach of uh, Michael when he was in high school. So he went from being Michael is now he's the coach of Auburn this year. So he's known Hugh Freeze from being at Liberty last year and now at Auburn. So it's pretty intriguing the fact that Hugh Freeze is. Is coaching at Auburn this year and was the coach at uh, for Michael in high school. Yeah, Michael Orr is um, claiming that the movie made over three hundred million dollars. That's ten times what he made in the NFL, and he saw zero dollars of it. So that's kind of where this is. I'm sure we're going to be finding out a lot more details as time goes on. It's Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel Seven Twenty Three. I'm Mike Balsamo. Talk baseball, Ira. And it was a sad day for the New York Yankees. I debated going to this game. They're playing the Marlins. What happened was the um, it, it was a, a four-run lead going into the ninth. You figure that the Yankees have this one wrapped up, and the Yankees' bullpen completely falls apart between Tommy Conley and Clay Holmes, and they allow five runs to let the Marlins walk them off. Marlins needed this one because they've been dropping some. They they took two of three from the Yankees. I've been saying that the Yankees have been, have been done all year, you know, from about May, and it's starting to look more and more apparent that this team just doesn't have what it takes to even make the playoffs. Yeah, and not only make the playoffs, they're now 60 and 58. They're five games back. That's only two games over 500. They're five games back. They are 13 behind Baltimore, which is, if you thought how bad the Baltimore Orioles were like two, three years ago, you're like, the Yankees are going to be 13 games behind them, which is just incomprehensible to think. Um, 
they're danger of missing the playoffs the first time since 2016, but also they've gone 30 years without a losing record. They haven't had a losing record since 1992. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, and they, oh, that's the second longest streak. The Yankees of 26 to 64 went 39 years. Judge returned. They were six, you know, they were 24 and 33 in the last 57. Judge, Aaron Judge returned. They've been six and 10. Um, and so this is, you know, there was a good article in CBS Sports about the Yankees and what went wrong. And you can read about it. It certainly after 2017, when they made the game seven, the LCS, they started cutting salaries where all these other teams started spending money. So that became an issue because the other teams were spending and they were cutting it. And then they made just the wrong calls. I mean, look at this team. Aaron Judge makes 40 million. Garrett Cole makes 36 million. But Carlos Rodon, 27 million. Josh Donaldson, 25 million. They have negative wars, wins against replacement. That means that they had signed a player at a minimum. It would be better than having Carlos Rodon, Josh Donaldson. Stanton, 22 million is a 0.1 war. Rizzo is 20 million is a 0.6 war. And DJ LeMayo is 15 million. So when you have 22, 20, 15, 25, and 27, all those millions of dollars doing absolutely nothing. It's almost surprising the Yankees are even at 500. No, it is. And I mean, Frankie Montas is another name in there, hasn't pitched all season. They got him from Oakland uh, last year at the deadline, came in, was terrible, and they've just been basically shut down for the entire season. Rodon is on his third trip to the IL, and like you said, as far as war goes, that's a good thing, because when he's in, he's terrible. So free agent signings just have not worked. Young guys have not panned out. Uh, The Yankees have a long history of touting a guy for a decade in the minors before they bring him up, he stalls out, or they trade him before that even, and it never comes together. I'm on the get rid of Cashman and Boone bandwagon. I know a lot of people have been for years, and I think it might be finally time to pull the pull the string here. I don't think they won't. I mean, Cashman's been there for 27 years. I thought he should have been fired years and years ago. I felt like he had, for years, the Yankees had such a payroll advantage compared to everybody else in the league. And I think the titles, I mean, really, you only give Cashman like one title. I mean, I just think it's really, it just should get credit for that because uh, Sick Michael should get credit for the other ones. But um, I just, I felt Cashman, uh, Boone is terrible. I just awful performance. And, 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 and I just, but. It seems like if this was George Steinbrenner, I think if this was George Steinbrenner, Cash would probably have been fired four times and hired back three times. <laughs> but, but Hal Steinbrenner is, has the patience of Joe right, in terms of not making any moves. But this is surprising. I think when Judge came back, everyone – we've had a, you know, Brian Hawk from the, who wrote the book on, on the Judge, who also from MLB.com, and, uh, and Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post. I think a lot of people this – this, this like lack of nothingness really for the Yankees is surprising because I felt like when Judge came back, they at least make the playoffs. But they're five back in the wild card, and they're 13 back in the standings. And made no moves at the deadline, just kind of sticking with the ship that we got. It was not the right call, obviously. Mike Lupica of the New York Daily News wrote a pretty good article the other day, and a lot of Mets fans, so I, I've talked about it here on Iron Sports, that they're delirious thinking, or delusional thinking that Shohei Otani is going to come to them. He said he doesn't want to come to the East Coast. And Lupica wrote an article saying, why would Otani come to the Yankees or the Mets? Both teams are not good. He wants to win championships. Stay in Oakland if you, if you want to be middling. And then that's basically what we're getting, or worse, from the New York teams. Let's take a look at the standings here, though. Unfortunately, Ira, you know, I'm a big fan of young teams playing great, upstart teams, and we saw a lot of that this year. Cincinnati Reds came out really hot. Arizona Diamondbacks led the West for a long time. They're starting to regress, regress to the mean, and we're starting to see the good teams just pull away. I, you know, I was just going to say about the National League. The Braves have been great. You know, they've won 75 games. But, but the Dodgers, they've won eight in a row. They're nine and one in the last ten. They now have a nine. I mean, remember the Dodgers are like seven and eight back in the standings? And now they're up 
nine on the San Francisco Giants and up 12 and a half on the Diamondbacks, who it seemed like had been leading the entire time. I think that's the fact that the Braves and Dodgers, remember how the playoffs work? They get the buy. So it doesn't mean, you know, baseball, there's upset after upset, but they don't have, they don't have to play the best of the three, that first round series. And so it looks like the Braves now the, the American league is wide, wide open with all these different chances of teams and who knows what's going to happen with that. But I think it's clear that the Braves and Dodgers are the class of the national league. And we'll see what the Phillies do. I mean, it, it seems like every time the Phillies get hot, then they lose like two in a row and what happens in the Marlins are still in the mix. I'd love the Marlins to get in, at least get a three-game series, at least get that, you know, some playoff baseball down in Miami. But uh, knowing with our luck, they'll probably be in the baseball. It'll be like on a Sunday afternoon against the Dolphin game, something bad. But you would just hope that they would have, like, a good night for themselves to, uh, down in Miami at Marlins Park. Let's talk a little uh, World Cup soccer here, Ira. Team USA, unfortunately, not in it at this point. It's kind of weird to even you know be watching World Cup soccer without the U.S. women's national team. But where do we stand? It's just now we're in the semi. Spain beat the Netherlands and Sweden. Sweden's been on this run. I mean, that would have been the bet. I mean, beat Sweden beats the United States. Then they beat Japan, who was the next favorite, who hadn't uh, given you know was undefeated in the in the in the opening rounds. Australia beat France on penalty kicks, which was a big upset. And then England beat Colombia. So England, uh, Spain now plays Sweden, and Australia plays England. And people feel now think that the two favorites are England and Spain. At plus, they're almost like England plus one run five. 155 and Spain's at 175. And Sweden, no one's giving them any credit. They're plus four. They're the, they're the, they're the biggest underdog in the tournament. I would, at this moment right now, he just had two big wins. I would, I would bet on Sweden at plus 430 to win it all. Messi mania continues in, in South Florida. Inter Miami keeps winning. Yes, they beat Charlotte uh, Football Club 4 nothing. He scored one goal, and I love what Messi's doing. You know, he gets, he should, when there's a penalty kick, he should be kicking the penalty and get even more goals, but he gives it to his teammates so they can score, and that's tremendous. And I'll give you an example. Robert Taylor scored, he's been, was played 52 Major League Soccer games. He's only scored five goals. And since Messi's come, he, he scored four goals in five games. So he went 52 games scoring five goals, and now he has four goals in five games. It just talks, it just shows how he's elevating everybody. They play Tuesday against Philadelphia Union in the semifinals, and then Monterey plays Nashville. And uh, there's a chance that if, 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 I forget if Monterey beats Nashville, Nashville is Monterey, then the game will be back in, in Miami. Otherwise, there will be another road game. But they're at Philadelphia Union. But this is, this is great. I mean, Messi has played fantastic and, as I said, elevated the level of everybody else. Cristiano Ronaldo decided to take his talents to uh, Saudi Arabia, join their league, and a lot of people thought Messi would be the, the one to follow him. Of course, we know how that ended up. Good news for us here in the USA. But Neymar, Brazilian phenom, he's going to be heading over to play in the Saudi uh, league as well. Well, Neymar is a huge Miami Heat fan. So you go to the games. I saw him. The game that uh, Conor McGregor had his home, Neymar was in the front row. I, I think I saw him at four or five games. So he loves the Heat, but he also has money. Now he can afford the seats in the front row. He's going to supposedly, there was an issue about how much he's going to make. When, it looks like he's going to make $200 million a year, which is stunning. I mean, I mean, again, the, the, the football running backs that all you know, it's having these calls, they should be hoping the Saudi Arabians would pay them all this money because I mean, but it, again, if you're going to pay Phil Mickelson a couple hundred million dollars, Neymar gets 200 million too. So that's where the money is. And, and if James Harden's looking for money, he's probably going the wrong spot. Maybe the Saudi Arabians could buy for basketball. But the fact is that's $200 million a year and, and a hundred million dollar transfer. They had to go from Paris Saint-Germain. They had to pay Paris Saint-Germain a hundred million just for the trade to get uh, Neymar. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely crazy the money that they're giving away over there. Uh, we got about 10 minutes till we get to Dr. Roto here on Iron Sports. 
let's talk a little NBA, and it seems like James Harden finds a way to keep himself in the news, I. Well, he was over in China, and he said, it was, this is really, last night he went on and he said, Daryl Moore is a liar, and I'll never be part of an organization that he's part of. And then he said it again. And it's funny because Daryl Moore is responsible for James Harden earning $300 million playing in the NBA. So he was the general manager of the Houston Rockets. He traded from the, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, traded for Harden, where he had a long career he had in Houston, paid him all the money, all the contracts. Then Moore was fired by the Rockets or left the Rockets and, and through after that whole scenario with the, when he criticized China for Taiwan. And then he goes to Philadelphia and then he trades, then Harden's in, in Harden asks for a trade out of, uh, um, out of Houston where he's traded to the Nets because he wanted to be linked with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I know this is super hard to follow. And the Nets traded four first round picks just a couple of years ago for him and four pick swaps to get him. He doesn't, he plays there for a year. Doesn't like playing with Kyrie and Durant. Wants to trade. The Maury trades for him. It's like, okay, I'll trade for you again. Brings him to team with Embiid and they traded two first round picks plus Ben Simmons and Curry and they sign him. Now there was an issue because he didn't. He wanted a max contract, but he wasn't going to get a max contract. He didn't play well. He he averaged twenty points in the series against Boston. He had games where he had nine. The, the game seven, nine points, five turnovers. The game before, thirteen points and five turnovers. Uh, he didn't deserve it. He opted into a thirty-five million dollar contract, and the reason he opted in is no one's going to offer him give him max. He could have got a max with someone, but but couldn't sign that. Um, so it's it's a situation where nobody wanted him, and then he demands a trade. The Sixers said, we're not trading you. And now he's going to do what exactly we did in Houston and exactly what he did with the Nets is saying, I don't want to play. I just not going to play. I'm not happy. I'm this and that. And he wants, and he's 34 years old. And, I, and the only team that really wanted him was the Clippers and they didn't want to trade so much. So, but this is just, it's just, it's James Harden. I mean, it's, it's just, again, and now it leaves the question with Embiid. So now Harden wants out. Is Embiid going to be happy that they don't get a, something in back for Harden that trades a lot of assets for him? And that's just what I keep saying. There's a chance. I'm, I'm thinking Embiid. To the, Embiid appears to be the player. Like I, I'm t- Stop going after Lillard over the heat. Think about trying to make a trade for Embiid somehow, because not this year, maybe next year, but I think that's a potential would be that if Embiid just says, I don't want to play for the Sixers anymore, I think Embiid would be someone, because he's friends with, remember, Embiid is close with Jimmy Butler. He did not want Butler. He was mad that the Sixers kept Ben Simmons and, got, and Butler then signed with the Heat. So don't, don't sleep on the fact that Embiid might want to come to uh, South Florida. Speaking of Lillard, it seems like crickets. Nothing, absolutely nothing, and there's no even rumors. So we'll see what happens. But we had Bob Whitsitt from the Portland Trailblazers, who was former the GM of the Trailblazers on a couple of weeks ago, and he made that comment. He goes, don't expect, there's, no, there's nothing happening. They don't need to make a move. Don't expect a move now. And everyone was like waiting for, you know, Lillard's going to sign any moment, and he, he was right. There's been no activity, no move, and besides Tyler Hero changing his Instagram and Twitter account, nothing's been going on. And with the World Championship, some of the biggest names not going to be playing. No Jokic, no Giannis. It starts in a, in a week. Um, I'm intrigued by the United States team. Jalen Brunson, uh, Brandon Ingram. People are telling me, you know, you watch some of these preliminary games. Austin Reeves of the Lakers is playing great. And, and the, this is great experience for him. Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I'm looking at Brunson becoming a star. Knicks fans need Brunson to become this huge star as he is, but even in step up his game. But if Austin Reeves can, people have been doubting him. Like, I think he got the big contract. He played well last year. And then 
signs a big contract, and, and he still has these doubts. And I'm like, wow, if Austin Reeves can step up his game and become the star with Davis and with LeBron, that's crucial for the Lakers. And Anthony Edwards, of course, is a huge star. Anyone who saw the movie Hustle uh, with Adam Sandler was a star of that movie that was actually the bad guy in that movie. But uh, um, he's certainly a good guy in the league in terms of how well he's playing uh, for the U.S. team and for the Timberwolves. Only got about four minutes till we have to get to uh, Dr. Roto here on Iron Sports. Let's hop over to golf. Everything's coming up Lucas Glover these days, and if you didn't know who he was a month ago, you sure as heck know now. Well, Lucas Glover has been amazing. He made a 20-foot par putt on the 13th, a 30-foot bogey putt, which kept him in, and then he then and then he just to hang in. I mean, these long putts that he made, he tied Patrick, Patrick Cantlay, and then they went to uh, the extra holes, and there was one uh, playoff, one hole playoff, and Cantlay hit the ball in the water. Glover didn't. So now here's someone who has won five tournaments his whole career. We went over the stats, and now he's won five million in two weeks, won two tournaments. He's advanced from 119th in the world to 30th in just two weeks. And this is a tournament. Remember, this is the FedEx playoffs. Rory finished at 14 under. Jordan Spieth was sixth in sixth place. Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. Scheffler was 31st. Rahm, 37th. Ricky Fowler at 58th. There was a top. And then the next field now will be down to 50 at BMW in Chicago. But a huge win for Glover. Uh, As I said, 43 years old to have back-to-back wins. Only the second golfer ever to be in his 40s to win back-to-back. And uh, again, I was there. U.S. Open 2009 when he beat Tiger Woods and uh, at that page, so and and was uh, and beat Phil Mickelson, so and that was like it was a one hit. Was, here's here's like a one hit wonder, and then comes back and then and then then has these two great tournaments back to back. And who knows? I mean, if he wins the FedEx playoffs, you're talking. He's going to be. He's going to have the best month of his of anybody's life, really. So big <laughs> wins for Lucas Glover. Going over to live, Cam Smith had a huge win, but that's going to get overshadowed by the news about Phil Mickelson. Yeah, he won by seven strokes, and it came out that Phil Mickelson bet a billion dollars in betting. It, a, a walker, a, a top gambler, said that he estimates that Mickelson bought a billion dollars, which is not a surprise because anybody who knows anything about Vegas says that Mickelson was the biggest sports betting better out there, and he's making a couple hundred million dollars a year. So the fact that he bet a billion and supposedly lost a hundred – first it came out that he lost a hundred million dollars. So it's no surprise So that – Again, the billion, everyone was crazy. Billion dollars. I'm like, yeah, well, he lost a hundred and he's the biggest better. I'm not surprised that, and he's making a couple hundred billion dollars a year. I'm not surprised that he bet over a billion dollars in his career. And he's allowed. He's a single, he's not on a team or anything like that. There's an issue about the Ryder Cup, whether he thought he was going to bet on the Ryder Cup on his own team. But in terms of betting, the bigger issues are Iowa State uh, players. Actually, they're losing about a dozen of their players betting on games. That's a bigger issue than Phil Mickelson betting on sports because everyone knows that Phil Mickelson betting on sports has been going on forever. And what about tennis? Well, we're just talking about tennis because with Toronto, there's a Toronto Open. Jakob Sinner, uh, Yannick Sinner beat Alex DeMore for the title. And the big thing, 6-4-6-1, Tommy Paul of, of the United States beat Carlos Akras in the quarterfinals. Huge upset. And uh, Sinner then beat Paul. But I, for Tommy Paul, I've seen him play in Miami. Love has game. Fritz lost, Taylor Fritz, American, lost in the third round, and DeMore beat the number two seed Medvedev uh, in the second round. But uh, Tsitsipas and Moon lost in the first round. Getting ready to Cincinnati this week, then the U.S. Open. But Sinner playing well. If you remember last year, it's the one match I missed. Sinner and Alcaraz. Sinner had match point in Alcaraz. The match went for like five hours. But it's if Sinner's rounding into form for this big, big win for him. And the women's side, Jessica Pagula of the United States. I remember her parents owned the Buffalo Bills. Uh, beat Coco Golf in the quarterfinals and then beat Suiatak, uh, the number one seed, and then beat in the finals, won 6 1 6 
huge wins for, for Pagula headed into the U.S. Open. So let's see if she can give the Buffalo Bills momentum by winning the U.S. Open and then uh, have the Bills start out, have a good year. Let's get to Dr. Roto. It's Iron Sports. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. It's that time of the year again. Fantasy football season. Football's here, but come on. Fantasy football, just a little bit more important. You get to get involved. We got to bring in our fantasy guru. It's Dr. Roto of drroto.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Dr. Roto. Win your fantasy league. Go to drroto.com. Dr. Roto, I think you have a new and improved site. It's looking really good. I do have a new improved site. Thanks for noticing. Glad to be on with you. And uh, yeah, Dr. Roto 2.0. We're excited. We have amazing tools coming for football, whether you want to win in seasonal leagues or DFS or even in sports betting. The site's ready to go, so we're excited. So first things first, Dr. Roto, first overall pick. You know, I've been doing fantasy for over 20 years, and I don't think I've ever seen a non-running back go number one overall. But is the the tide shifting? Is this the year where we buck the running back and go with Justin Jefferson, say, uh, number one? Well, look, last year I took Justin Jefferson number one. I passed on Jonathan Taylor. I was one of those guys that just didn't trust Taylor. You know, I don't want the guy who had his season, his greatest season. I don't want to take that guy again this year. So, for example, I wouldn't take a Josh Jacobs this year. I want this year's number one pick. And this year's number one pick is Justin Jefferson. He's the best. I mean, he plays on an explosive offense. He's the number one receiver. It's a, a, a division with bad defenses. So, yeah, I'm taking him. And right now, the, the running back situation, you're talking about a, a time where there's committees everywhere and there aren't a lot of great running backs. So, yes, Jefferson is number one. You know, it's interesting you bring up Vikings and explosive offense. And I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I, I'll get your take on this anyway. The whole running back situation, Ira and I have been talking about this the last couple of weeks. And I feel like, for me, I, I use the term wins above replacement, like baseball. Dalvin Cook's great. And when Dalvin Cook's hurt for those four or five games a year every year, Alexander Madison comes in and does 90% of what Dalvin Cook does. So for me, this is why these guys aren't getting paid. It's not that they're not great. It's that there's another guy behind you who may not be great, but he's pretty darn good. What's your take on running backs not getting paid? Well, not only is he, he's, is he almost as good, he's half, he doesn't co- he costs half as much, right? So why am I paying Dalvin Cook $12 million when I can pay Alexander Madison you know, $3 million? So, look, I think it's a problem. I feel badly. Where would the Giants be without Saquon Barkley? They would, they would not be close to the playoffs. So I think certain guys need to get paid, and I think it, it is a problem. I think Jonathan Taylor will play this year. Saquon obviously signed his contract. You know, I, I, it feels collusive. I'm not saying that it is. But, you know, look, when, when one guy is great and another guy is very good, why pay for great if you don't have to? So I see what the owners are saying, but, man, the players can't be happy. It, while I agree with you on Saquon, I'm a Giants fan, and, yes, they need Saquon, but when he was down for a season, Wayne Gallman didn't look that terrible making, you know, $400,000 or whatever the league minimum is. So it, it's a conundrum for the owners for sure. Um, I want to talk about Travis Kelsey, and we talked about him last year, and I totally agreed with you, you know, not to reach on him, but I'm seeing Travis Kelsey now go as early as pick five in, in redrafts. Have you reevaluated Kelsey and where you, you'd be willing to take him? Well, look, Travis Kelsey's the number one tight end. It's not even a question. But I just had a great interview with a, a Chiefs insider on my radio show, and we came to the same agreement. I think Travis Kelsey, you need to preserve him for the Super Bowl run. So do you need him to be great in week two? No, you need it to be great in, in the wild card round and the divisional rounds and to get you to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to take 10% off last year's stats. 
So maybe he gets, you know, 100 catches. Maybe he's getting 1,100 yards. Maybe he's getting 9 or 10 touchdowns. That's not to say he's not going to be good. I just think he's somebody that I'm probably taking at pick 9, 10, 11, 12 of ground one. And pick 5, I want Tyreek Hill. I want uh, Christian McCaffrey. I want Austin Eckler. I'm going to go there instead. So who are the tight ends you're you're targeting? Because tight end is like a cesspool. After after you get done with Travis Kelsey, it's almost like you're just signing yourself up for, for six or seven points a week. Yeah, so one of my favorite guys this year is Darren Waller. I mean, I think he's in a great spot with the Giants. He's, he's arguably the Giants' best receiver. Can you name me a Giants wide receiver? Most people can. Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Darren, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And he should be good in 2024. So I like Darren Waller a lot. Uh, I like Pat Fryermuth a lot. Uh, David Joku for Cleveland should be fine. I, I think those mid-round tight ends are guys. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, I think, is interesting. Greg Dulcich. And here's my guy, stinky guy, Sam Laporta, Detroit Lions. You don't know him now, but you will by the end of the season. So one of the, the ways that I know that someone's probably kind of new to fantasy is when they take Patrick Mahomes in the first round. Um where are you taking a quarterback this year? You know, back when I started doing fantasy over 20 years ago, there was like eight to 10 viable quarterbacks. Now there's a pretty, there's 15 guys that can, that can put up points. What round are you targeting a QB? Who do you like in that department? I think there are eight great ones this year. And then I think there are eight guys I can use after that. But I do want one of the eight great ones. Uh, two of my favorites this year are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I'm all in on them. I'm all in on their offenses. And I don't have to take them as early as I have to take them Holmes or Hurts or Allen. If I don't get those two guys, then I'll wait a little bit. I think you can get some value with a Jared Goff. I think you can get some value with a Geno Smith. I think you can get some value with Daniel Jones, who I think is like a, a poor man's Justin Fields because he does run a lot as well. Uh, but really, it's, it's Herbert and Lawrence for me. If I'm in 25 drafts this year, which I probably will be in, Give me Lawrence and Herbert in 24, and I'll be pretty happy. So let's talk about the strategy. You know, that, that's a single quarterback league we're talking about, obviously. But Superflex and two quarterbacks are getting much more popular. What's your strategy in the Superflex or, or the 2QB? I mean, you're going to see typically six quarterbacks go in the first round. How are you, uh, you know, diving into those? Yeah, I'm never that guy, right? So I look at it, what I call the power of 24. Give me two guys in the rankings. And if you go to drroto.com, we got a great cheat sheet. It's a tier cheat sheet. It's easy to use. It, it gives, it's the exact cheat sheets that I'm bringing into my own drafts. I want a guy who's quarterback number 11 and quarterback 13 or quarterback 9 and quarterback 15, something like that. Give me two decent guys, and I think I'll be okay. I don't need to have Mahomes and Josh Hallen to win a super flex league. I want to build my running backs and receivers all the time. So before I turn you over to Ira, people are probably hearing the name. Again, this is Dr. Roto here on Ira on sports, drroto.com on Twitter at Dr. Roto. People probably hear the name. And if, if they're one of these guys who only does fantasy football, they're like, well, how does Roto come into play? And I'm assuming that has to come from rotisserie leagues, which are common in baseball, things like that. Am I right on where the name came from? You are 100% right. They came up with the first fantasy baseball league at the Rotisserie Restaurant in New York. And so that's why they were called Rotisserie Baseball. And so, um, you know, that morphed into fantasy football and fantasy baseball. But originally, when everybody started to play, it was Rotisserie. So that is where the Roto name came. And, you know, Matthew Berry at one time was the talented Mr. Roto. I'm Dr. Roto. You know, I'm not telling you. I'm not saying he copied me, but you never know. Well, you, you have the PhD. He's just a guy off the street. Exactly. Dr. Roto, so that was going to be my question, though. What do you like? I have a lot of friends that 
they live they, they do nine fantasy football leagues and won't touch another fantasy league. Whereas I think fantasy baseball and hockey are better than than fantasy football. What do you say to people that that can't get into other fantasies? Well, look, fantasy baseball to me is a very hard sport because you have to be paying attention to minor leagues. You don't have minor leagues in the NFL, right? Maybe you have a practice squad player here or there. But in baseball, you've got to know single A, you've got to know double A, you've got to know triple A. And baseball lasts forever. I mean, really, it goes from March until October or the end of September. It's, it's long. Football, you don't have to worry about it. It's, right, it's one of those things you play on Sundays, and you don't have to manage your team as much, so it's easier. So I, I feel like people feel like they can do three and four and five football leagues, and plus people love football. Now, I'm not saying that baseball is not great. I'm not saying basketball or hockey. I mean, we have our fanatics. I mean, at DrOrders.com, we cater to all the sports. But, you know, what I, I like to equate it to is football is Coke and everything else is Pepsi and Fresca. <laughs> That's a fair analysis. I was going to turn you over to Ira, but you, you, you brought a question up to me. So you mentioned how football is just easier. You know, you, you kind of set it and forget it. What's your thoughts on best ball drafts? Because this is becoming really popular. And to me, it's kind of just lazy man's fantasy. I'm not a best ball guy. I, I don't know if, if people are familiar with it. You draft a team, and that's your team for the year. You don't set your roster or anything. It's just whatever points you get that week, you get you put the best guys are automatically put in. What do you think about best ball leagues? Well, it's like Ron Cove. You remember those commercials? Just set it and forget it. I mean, that is best ball. You draft it, and you don't have to worry about it. Underdog Fantasy has a best ball mania for the winner gets $3 million. So um, admittedly, I have probably played more than I want to, more than Mrs. Roto even knows, because, hey, I'd love to be your rich friend with $3 million. But I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, I find that it is lazy. I, I win leagues because I pay attention and I grind, right? I'm checking every week. I'm looking at the waiver wires. I'm watching the box scores. I'm watching the games. I'm watching the playbacks of games. Best ball feels lazy to me. And anybody can win. Not anybody can win a regular fantasy football league because you got to stay on it. And I think that's what separates me from my, my competitors. And so, yes, I mean, best ball, sure, I want to win three million bucks, but it, it's not, you know, I'm not invested in it. I'm glad you agree with me. Ira, what do you have for uh, Dr. Roto? And that's just what you said about drroto.com. It's, it, I think you can lose your fantasy draft in the first, in the draft. You can lose fantasy in the draft. But if you just, if you're just, if you can survive the draft and do well, your, your site is great because every week there's just the, the adjustments. There's players you pick up. There's people that are available. There's things, there's trends that maybe not this week, but look three weeks ahead. And it's literally chess and checkers in terms of looking forward. And that's why I like your site so well, because you really are helping people that say they have a good team, but you let really them figure out a way to win, even if they don't have start out week one with 200 points and are running away with everything. But um, my, my question would be on the quarterbacks, because last year I had Tua and I almost won the league. I was in first place all year. And then the injuries and it was just so difficult and what what do you and you know the Dolphins have this great offense but what am I what are we going to do with Tua and his injuries look I think you're either in or you're out and, and I think I want to be in I want to be on a McDaniel I think he's an offensive genius I think this definite chain is off the chain I, I mean this dude is good all right that's just facts I like Hill I like Waddle and they're limited right they're limited meaning do you really think Durham Smythe is getting seven touchdowns? Do you really think Braxton Berrios is going to be a guy who dominates? No, so you kind of know where the points are coming from. Now, look, if Tua gets hurt, is it Skylar Thompson? Is it Mike White? I don't know, but I can't think negatively. I think the big problem why people lose in fantasy football, oh, I don't want to take this guy because he could get hurt. Well, a lot of things can happen, but if, they, but if Tua stays healthy in that offense, he's a league winner. 
give me a league winner and I'll figure it out. And in terms of, you just mentioned uh, a chain from the Dolphins, a running back rookie, but also the big rookie running backs are Bajan Robinson for Atlanta and Jameer Gibbs for Detroit. Um, people love Robinson. I, I mean, I saw him in college. I like him, but I don't think I fell in love with him that much, but they said his game translates so quickly to the pros. What do you think about Robinson and Gibbs? I like Robinson a whole lot. I do. I mean, is he a transcendent talent? I, I'm, I'm, that's a wait and see. He went to the great spot. I mean, what does Arthur Smith know? He knows how to coach Derrick Henry. He knows how to – I mean, Tyler Algier had over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he obviously knows how to do a rushing offense. So, I mean, he couldn't have gone to a better place, right? So I love that for him. Uh, Gibbs, look, if you watch college football, they barely used him. He's like, you know on eBay when you buy a product and it's gently used? That's Gibbs. He only got like nine nine touches a game last year for Alabama because they were winning by 30 points by halftime. This guy is great. He's got great hands out of the backfield. But listen, he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I'd have David Montgomery. Look at what Jamal Williams did last year. Jamal Williams had a million touchdowns, and DeAndre Swift didn't. So just understand that Gibbs is a really good third-round pick. Robinson is a late first-round pick. Uh, but, you know, temper your expectations, but I do like them a lot. I loved in your website, drroto.com, you used the term name over game, and you used Alvin Kamara by saying everyone knows Alvin Kamara, everyone knows that six-touchdown game he had on Thanksgiving Day or whatever, and they think of that. And then some other players, but what are other players you think that are going to get drafted high just because they've, they've slipped, but everybody doesn't think they've really slipped? Yeah, I, I, the, great point. So I think we know Alvin Kamara. If you're the guy at your draft with a magazine, you're losing. Right, magazines are old school, right? You're drafting guys. You're drafting Russell Wilson. You're, you're drafting guys like that. I don't. I want to be drafting the next great player, not the guy who was great a few years ago. So I'm not saying Kareem Hunt's not going to sign somewhere and be good, but how good is he going to be? Is he going to be Kareem Hunt from four years ago? Is Alvin Kamara on a three-game suspension going to be as good? Are you drafting Zeke Elliott anymore? No, these are names I don't want. I don't want the championship team from 2020. I want the championship team for 2023. And on the same line of thought, um, second-year players break out. It used to be that the wide receivers that took them maybe two years, remember uh, Antonio Brown and Heinz Ward from a Steeler fan, it's, you know, they, first year they were one thing, and then they really started picking up that second year. Last year, there were so many good rookie wide receivers. We're talking about, I could go through a whole list, Drake London, Romo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Garrett Wilson, Olave, Brooks. But who do you think is going to make that step where we'll say, okay, now next year they're going to definitely be the tippy-top first round with the Jeffersons, then the Cups, and those players? I think you named two of them right there. I think Olave and I think Drake London. I, I, look, I think the world is sleeping on Desmond Ritter. I know you think I'm crazy, but one of my favorite prize picks this year is Desmond Ritter over like 2,500 yards passing. So, look, if I think Bijan Robinson is going to be good and Kyle Pitts is going to be good and Drake London is going to be good, doesn't that mean that Desmond Ritter is going to be decent? Ritter took the Cincinnati to a championship game. So, I mean, the guy does have talent. Drake London is the only guy on that team. Mac Holland, Scotty Miller, Kadaro Hodge, I'm not buying it. There's no way London doesn't get 80 catches for 1,000 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. I'm a fan. Chris Olave? You know who was throwing him the ball last year? Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill. Now you have Derek Carr, who loves throwing the deep ball. How is that not a good fit? So I think I'm taking Olave in the second round of every draft I can this year, and I'm taking Drake London in round four. And if I can do that, I have a really good chance to win. 
And then besides that, the other thing is the players have moved teams and they've gone from a team and then they moved. Now, clearly, we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers because everybody knows. But what about, and I don't even want to say this name because I like him so much and I don't want people to know, but I, 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 what about Calvin Ridley? Someone who didn't play last year, who's now with Jacksonville and, you know, who, like, as I said, moved to a situation where now maybe they could just skyrocket in terms of their value. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I like the whole Jaguar team. I'll give you another guy. Tank Bigsby, take a look at this guy. I'm, I'm not the biggest ETN guy. I think Bigsby's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. And when you have a name like Tank, don't you think you're scoring touchdowns? I think you are. But listen, I like Calvin Ridley. I think Ridley was a supreme talent when he was with Atlanta. I mean, he did something wrong. I don't like the punishment. I felt that you know, it was a little heavy, heavy-handed there by Roger Goodell. But this guy can play. And you put him next to Christian Kirk. You put him next to Zay Jones. You put him next to Evan Ingram. And you give him a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. Why isn't he getting 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns? And what about the rookie wide receivers this year? Jackson Smith and Jenga, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. What do you like? Is any one of those three, or maybe for another one you might have in mind, going to just break out and have this super year? I like all of them to, to one extent or another. I, I think Addison is in a really good spot. Remember, you're going into that Minnesota team with a great offense. K.J. Osborne is still there. People are sleeping on him. I'm not. But Addison is going to get his. Zay Flowers is very, what I like to call, twitchy in terms of just how he runs routes. Uh, and I think Todd Monson is going to bring a better offense to Baltimore for sure. Smith and Jigma, I think, is going to catch about 70 passes for, for Seattle. I think Seattle's going to throw the ball more than people think. Kenneth Walker's dealing with a groin injury. Zach Charbonnet is not 100%. So, yes, all three of those guys are in play for me. I just drafted Addison like in the eighth round of a draft this past weekend. I'll draft any of those three guys without any question. And then, as you just mentioned, in terms of like in Baltimore with a coordinator change, um, Washington, Denver, some other teams have had these coordinator changes, and that, that makes a difference. I mean, the coordinator, Denver, is a whole coaching staff and everything. But do you see something with someone where some of these changes were made and that they're going to somehow unleash uh, these players that you know, they were held back by, uh, by poor coaching? Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster. Now, I don't think Sean Payton should have called him out. I think it was obvious to everybody in the league he was a disaster. Sean Payton is an offensive genius. Are you telling me that Denver's not going to be better this year than they were last year? They will be. Todd Monken was successful when he was in Tampa Bay. He was very successful at Georgia. He's got a ton of weapons at Baltimore. I mean, Greg Roman was running uh, the offense from the, uh, the Roman ages. I mean, so, look, I've got to think that Baltimore is going to be better. And I'll give you one sneaky one. Everybody noticed how bad the Vikings' defense was last year, right? Brian Flores is there in Minnesota now. You know he always brings those guys to play. Maybe they'll be more improved. So I think people overlook the the coordinators changing, and I think sometimes those can have a very powerful impact. So don't, don't miss out on those. And you've sort of mentioned some of these that are my last final question, Dr. Roto, your sleepers. Some of these players that, boy, I'm sitting at the 8th and ninth, 10th rounds. I need to pick someone that's going to make a difference. What are some of the sleepers that we should be picking? Yeah, I've dropped a couple already. I'm big on Tank Bigsby, and I'm big on Sam Laporta. I'm big on Daniel Jones. I think all three of those guys can help you win your league. Bigsby is going to score touchdowns, and you're going to get him in round 10. Laporte is probably going to be their second-best target right now with Jamison Williams out for the first six weeks. And look, Daniel Jones, I'm a believer in Brian Dable. I mean, look at what that guy did last year. There was a picture of him in practice, and he was screaming at that team. Why? Because he demands perfection. And Jones is going to be better than he was last year, and he runs. So don't overlook him. I think those three guys will help you a lot this year. 
Dr. Roto, thank you so much. Mike, do you have any questions? One last one, just because you brought up, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker and, and Charbonnet. So, and this is a personal thing. So I, I the season ends and my keepers for this year in, in my in my big league are Jamar Chase, great. And I've also got Tyler Algier and uh Kenneth Walker. So I'm like, this is gonna be fantastic. And then the draft comes around and welcome Bijan Robinson and Zach Charbonnet and kind of throws the plans off a little bit. What's your thoughts on Algier? Can he still be productive with Bijan there? And what kind of um you know hit are you putting to to, to Walker with Charbonnet in the mix? Yeah, you gotta keep Walker. You have to keep Walker, right? The guy's too talented, and I think when he comes back healthy, he will be a part of that offense. Uh, in terms of Algier, so look, I'm pretty friendly with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and he said to me, Dr. Roto, he goes, they're going to use him as thunder and lightning. They're going to use both these guys. Algier is a big dude, and he's going to be really good in the red zone. And I, I think that Robinson, don't be shocked to see him lose some touchdowns because I think they, they, they want to get Algier involved. Now, is he going to have 1,000 yards and 10 or 11 touchdowns? No, but what if I told you he have seven, 800 yards and seven touchdowns? Do I think I'd protect him in your league? No, but I think he's still a guy I would draft. Dr. Rode, I want to thank you so much for coming on once again. Always a fantastic interview, our resident fantasy guru here on Iron Sports. If you want to win your fantasy league, it's drrodo.com. Follow him on Twitter at drrodo, and we'll see you at draft day, Dr. Rodo. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, be- appreciate you coming on your show, and can't wait to do it again. Ira, what are you up to this week? Um, first of all, I, I love the Tank Bigsy pick. I saw him two times for Auburn against Penn State live, um, and I t- totally believe he looks like he's a professional NFL running back and he scored touchdowns. So great pick. I just love the, his his sleepers are tremendous. We got to hope that the Miami wins. If Inter Miami wins on Tuesday and Monterey beats Nashville, because that means on Saturday I'll get to see Messi in Miami. So that'll be the game they'll play for the championship of that interleague inner uh, season uh, championship against Monterey. If Nashville wins the game, Nashville and Miami wins. But hopefully, I get to see Messi on Saturday. That'd be great. It would be great. We are out of time though. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.